It's been a long time since the Legion of Boom dominated for the Seahawks in the secondary, but they still resonate with incoming NFL prospects. Find out how in our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Day one of testing at the NFL Scouting Combine, nearly in the books, all of the drills for the linebackers, the edge defenders and defensive tackles getting taken care of today at Lucas Oil Stadium. I'll be sharing my winners and losers for those three position groups on today's episode and taking a look at some interesting developments this morning in interviews with the cornerbacks and safeties. A lot of Seahawks ties in that regard. This episode is brought your way by FanDuel. Let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. It has been six years since the Legion of Boom last played in a game together for the Seahawks in the secondary, but even though there's been more than half a decade, there's a lap since Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and Richard Sherman were on the field together at then-named CenturyLink Field. That doesn't mean that they have been forgotten. In fact, Thursday morning at the Combine was a reminder that all of those legendary defenders still are on the Mount Rushmore of players for incoming NFL prospects. A number of players in the cornerback and safety groups today referenced in particular Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor when discussing players that they modeled their game after. One in particular that I found very interesting, I was chatting with him at his podium today, Juju Brents, Julius Brents, also goes by Juju, of Kansas State, six foot three corner, one of those rare, long-armed, lengthy corners. I asked him today about who jumped out as a player that he modeled his game after. And, of course, he leaned on the Legion of Boom early in his answer. Take a listen. I would definitely say for sure uh, it's a lot of guys I like to uh, pick up little things from, you know, especially growing up, watching Richard Sherman. Uh, you know, his, his career speaks for itself. Uh, it's the way he carried himself as well off the field. But on the field, you know, the eye sky a lot, one of the best in uh, this past decade for me growing up. Guys in today's game like to, like to pass their 10, uh, bigger body, bigger body type, but uh, always has – um, good pad level, really always under control, always poised and good technique. Another guy like AJ Terrell, you know, real good feet, technique as well. So just just pick up different things from a lot of different guys, especially who have like the same type of uh, body type as me. It shouldn't come as a surprise that Brent's at six foot three with long arms has been watching Richard Sherman dating back to his high school days, maybe even earlier than that. Every one of those big body long arm corners looked up to Richard Sherman because really he set that new prototype and teams were trying to emulate that for years. We saw a lot of really tall corners that were drafted earlier than they had been in years prior by other teams hoping that they could cash in and find their own Richard Sherman. And unfortunately for most of those teams, they have not had the success finding that player. The same can be said for Cam Chancellor. You want to talk about a player that truly reset the prototype at strong safety there's a reason you don't see very many six foot three, 231 pound safeties that are roaming the field. But Cam Chancellor coming in as a day three pick for the Seahawks in 2010. 
He's a player that I heard multiple prospects today talking about emulating their game, including JL Skinner, who maybe is the most similar body type that we have seen in a long time at the strong safety position coming out of Boise State. And he had some interesting comments that he made as well today, saying, I like to look at taller defensive backs and Cam Chancellor kind of inspired me to play the way I am how physical I am, and do the things I do on the field. So Chancellor is my biggest inspiration that I try to model my game after. And, of course, I asked him about the possibility of playing in Seattle, and he said, I'd love that, and said he would love to fill that void that Cam Chancellor doesn't have anymore, obviously, since the career-ending injury. The Seahawks have Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs in their safety, but maybe they'll consider with Adams' injury history bringing in a player like Skinner those two were not the only ones that referenced Legion of Boom members today as well. Keely Ringo, who may be a first-round pick for Georgia, another big-bodied corner at six foot two, two 210 pounds, so a little bit different body type, a little bit stockier, more muscular, explosive athlete that's expecting to run in the mid-four mid threes during the workouts on Friday. He is from Tacoma, Washington originally, and he's actually been back in the Pacific Northwest, told reporters today that he has been working at the facility with Richard Sherman in the Pacific Northwest, and he's been picking his brain on football-related topics as well as off-the-field topics and simply trying to get a different perspective. And so you could see it at the Combine today, the number of corners and safeties that continue to reference and revere Legion of Boone members. And clearly, even with them being out of the league, at least Richard Sherman's only been out for a year. Camp Chancellor, his career ended in 2017. Earl Thomas, not much longer after that. We know that his career did not end on good terms with the Seahawks or with the Ravens, really his NFL career in general, but did a lot of amazing things in Seattle. That group, they were such a special group that I don't know that they're necessarily ever going to be forgotten. They are going to be players that, you know, Prospects are going to be looking up on YouTube to find their highlights, particularly Cam Chancellor. How many teams have tried to find that big safety that could turn around and intercept a pass and the next play, knock over a tackle and run defense? He's one of one. There hasn't been another player that's been able to come in at that size and do the things that Cam Chancellor did for that Legion of Boom defense. Obviously, J.L. Skinner is hoping that maybe he can be the second coming. A little bit different player, a little more versatile maybe. But he's a player that's hoping he can come in and and do a lot of the same things that Camp Chancellor did so well for the Seahawks. And he's hoping he's going to be a high draft pick come April. But I just found it to, to be very fascinating, the number of prospects that are still talking up former Seahawks stars from that historic defense. And it really just – it really puts an illustration on how impactful that group was in NFL history and why there's a real good chance we may never see a group that's as talented and charismatic as what that Legion of Boom group was and truly a special group. And you can see it just with the responses from these players. And I assume in the next several years that as different classes come in, we're going to continue to hear references to Sherman and Chancellor, particularly Sherman with the involvement he has in media now. And obviously he's helping coach up players. He was in involved with Tariq Woolen last year and did some advising for him before his spectacular rookie season. And so I expect that we're going to continue to at least see Sherman's name out there with him being involved in the media and coaching up prospects. Chancellor, just the unique player that he was. And the fact there hasn't been anyone close to him since he retired, he's going to be somebody that's going to be remembered for a long time as well. And it's just a really cool thing to look back upon when you've got new players coming into the league. Speaking of the combine, Day one is in the books at Lucas Oil Stadium with testing for linebackers, 
edge defenders and defensive tackles. I'm going to be breaking down my losers from today's festivities and, of course, a bunch of big winners at all three position groups with a Seahawks-centric spin. We'll kick that off coming up next year on a Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is now passed, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drain. I'm a big fan of betting on player props, including FanDuel's Parlay Builder. For example, you can bet on Russell Westbrook to score 20 points tonight for the Clippers at plus 290. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make Every moment more of FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, whether you're listening in nearby Renton, if you're in Indianapolis for the Combine and checking out the podcast, or you're overseas in London and listening to the show, we greatly appreciate you making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The combine moving forward with the first day of testing at Lucas Oil Stadium today in Indianapolis, kicking off with linebackers, defensive tackles, and edge rushers. That position is a little bit murky in terms of which players fall in that line. Some of those edge defenders are working out with linebackers today as well. So there is a little bit of a gray area there. I don't tend to look too often at losers for the combine because I don't want to put too much stock in what a lot of people rightly call the underwear. This is an event where players can lose money or they can drop their draft stock. And it doesn't always have to be what you do on the field. See what happened with Jalen Carter yesterday, for example. He did return to Indianapolis State to finish his interviews and his measurements did not work out, obviously. But my point being that this is still a week where players whether it's on the field or with things that happen off the field, they can negatively impact their draft stock. And unfortunately there were a few players that jumped out to me from the workouts that I didn't think took advantage of the opportunity they had in front of them. Maybe they were a fringe candidate to get drafted to begin with, and they didn't go out and impress the way they needed to, to really solidify their standing as a draftable player. So we're going to start on the defensive line. And this one's going to be a surprising one because I'm a big fan of Mike Morris at Michigan. I think he's got a high motor. He's been a valuable player for Jim Harbaugh's defense the last couple of years. And I love the frame at 275 pounds. This guy looks like a player that could potentially play a three-tech, four-eye role in a three-four defense. He might be able to play big end in a four-three defense. But this was an underwhelming performance for Mike Morris at 275 pounds. Maybe the thing that I was most disappointed by. With his workout, again, you don't want to put too much stock in straight line speed, 40-yard dash. Guys don't do that often on an NFL field, but a 4.95-second 40-yard dash at 275 pounds, almost a 5-second 40, that is almost as slow as molasses for the position. That is not going to cut it. So I think that this is a huge letdown for him. He also only jumped 28 inches in the vertical jump. Maybe not the most important drill, for that particular position group, but it shows a lack of explosiveness and lack of speed. That is not a good combination. He plays a little faster on the film that I've watched at Michigan, but 
certainly this is a player that I looked at as a potential day two selection. He might have dropped himself into day three, maybe even late in day three with the way that he performed today. Now, if he goes to Michigan's Pro Day and puts up some better numbers and just performs better, then maybe he can regain some of that value. But these numbers were bad enough that I think it is going to take him off the draft board for some teams or he's going to move way down their board as a day three prospect. And that's not something I was necessarily anticipating from a guy that was pretty disruptive for the Michigan Wolverines playoff bound team this past season. At linebacker, Cam Jones was one of my day three sleepers from Indiana. And one of the things I really liked about him, he's a converted safety And so I thought the athleticism was going to jump out today. But when you only weigh 226 pounds, and in today's NFL, that's not necessarily abnormal. A lot of teams are going with lighter linebackers that can cover because that's key in today's pass-happy NFL. But Cam Jones had a really disappointing performance. Running a 4.69 40-yard dash, it was unofficially 4.76 seconds on both of his 40 tries. That's pretty slow for a linebacker that is under 230 pounds. I was expecting that he was going to run at least in the four fives, and that did not happen. wasn't even close. That's a significant gap to 4.69 seconds. We're talking about 40-yard dash times. He also was near the bottom in the couple other drills that he did, the vertical jump, 33 inches with just an average score at the linebacker position. So he didn't do anything that jumped out as even an average athlete at the position today. And there were a ton of guys that put up really good numbers in the 40 yard dash, the jumping, the three cone drill. He did not do anything to help himself. And I think he was a borderline six, seventh round pick going into this day because he's had some injury issues and he's a lighter linebacker, never had a season with more than 80 tackles at Indiana, missed a lot of games. So he needed to do really well here. He had a good senior bowl week. He had momentum going into this. Feels like he might've lost a lot of that with a subpar performance in the combine, unfortunately. And last, Byron Young, the defensive tackle from Alabama. Now, there's two Byron Youngs. I may talk about the other one before this show is over with, but this is a player that I shouldn't necessarily have been surprised that he struggled today in this event because even though I think he's a very good football player, the athleticism has never been a calling card, at least watching on film. He wins with brute strength, physicality, technique, and he's a sound football player But I thought he'd be able to prove his critics wrong a little bit today. That did not happen. He didn't run the 40. And looking at the way the rest of his results went, probably a good thing that he didn't. He was second to last among defensive tackles in the vertical jump. And he was in the bottom half in the other couple drills that he did today. He did not participate in the three cone. He did do the short shuttle. So it was kind of a pick your... Baskin Robbins type situation with what he participated in and what he didn't, but the events that he participated in, he did not impress in any of them. And this is not a 330 pound nose tackle. He's 294 pounds. And so you would expect that he would have better athletic testing numbers than what he put up today. That just did not happen. So there's some people that looked at him as maybe a day two pick right now. He looks squarely a mid day three selection, maybe back half of the second or third day because that is not the type of athletic testing numbers the teams are looking for from a 294-pound defensive tackle. I think he's still got a chance to be a good NFL player, uh, but this is certainly going to hurt his stock heading into the draft process. Now, let's get away from the negatives, because there were so many exciting performances today, particularly from the edge rushing group. This is one of the deepest edge rushing groups that I have covered since I've been in this industry. Maybe 2011 would be a year that's ahead 
of this year. And I don't know that you have the Nick Bosa in this class. Maybe Will Anderson ends up being that player, but you might not have that dynamic perennial all pro in this group, but you have a ton of really good players. And we got to see that on display today, but I want to get to the defensive tackles first, because there were some exciting numbers that were put up by the big boys at the combine today. My first big positive Kalijah Kansi, using the term big boy might not necessarily be accurate with him because he is a very light defensive tackle played at 275 this year for Pittsburgh. He's around 280 at the combine, but he ran a four, six, seven second 40 yard dash. So in other words, he was faster than some of the linebackers who were 50, 60 pounds lighter than him in today's combine. And that has been unheard of, or at least that's what we thought. I'll get to more of that in a moment, but this was a big deal for Kalijah Kansi because this guy's a darn good football player. This is not just a smaller defensive tackle that just happened to run a four, six, seven. You see the athleticism with him getting that quick first step off the line and getting after quarterbacks, had at least seven sacks each of the last two seasons at Pittsburgh. He's an explosive athlete. So maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise that he ran this fast, but four, six, seven at 280 pounds, that is still a blistering pace. And he didn't do any other drills. He didn't need to. That's all he needed to do with the stuff he's put on tape, how disruptive, how much of a game wrecker he has been. I think he firmly secured his spot as a first-round pick. He might not be a good fit for every team because of his size, but well, we've seen a 280-pound defensive tackle come out of Pittsburgh before and have a pretty darn good NFL career in Aaron Donald. So I expect that Kansi made himself quite a bit of money today. Another player that made himself some money that I don't think we've even brought up on this podcast to this point, Jalen Redmond from Oklahoma weighed in at 291 pounds. And I'm going to be honest, he's been fairly low on my defensive tackle board for a few reasons, even though he's coming from a blue blood at Oklahoma the athleticism does not always show up on tape, and his sack numbers have really stagnated the last couple of years. He was a player that I thought had a pretty high ceiling back in 2019, early in his college career. He had six and a half sacks. Then he had some injuries sprinkled in there, did not play at all in 2020. And his numbers the last two years have not been as good as they were in 2019, at least from a pass rushing standpoint. You just don't see the athleticism, and yet – he almost pulled off a perfect score today. He finished with the second fastest 40-yard dash among defensive tackles, 4.81 seconds, which is impressive at 291 pounds. And he finished first in every other drill, vertical jump, broad jump, three-cone, short shuttle. He was first in all of those. So this was not a one-trick pony. He was dominant today in this outing. And that by itself, given the fact he's coming from Oklahoma, a place that's had plenty of good defensive line come out of there, maybe he just pushed himself into day two contention. I've still got him as a day three player based on what I've seen on film, but those are undeniable numbers in the testing aspect. And teams may look at that as a ball clay that can be further developed in their system with that type of athleticism. So a big win today for Jalen Redmond and really the biggest winner of the entire day. Addy Tamiwa Adibara from Northwestern. And this guy was one of the standouts at the Senior Bowl. A lot of people that I talked to going into this process said that he was going to put on a show. But I think that that is an understatement. This was Tariq Woolen-level ridiculousness. 282 pounds. I just mentioned this with Kalijah Kansi. 4.6740. That was the fastest time for a 280-pound-plus player since 2000 at the combine 
and it lasted for about five minutes because Aditanwe came in and beat that record with a 4.49 second 40-yard dash. So sub 4.5 seconds at 282 pounds. Again, that is pure ridiculousness. And oh, by the way, you look at some of his other numbers today. 10-foot, 5-inch broad jump, 37.5-inch vertical. He was tied for the fifth-best vertical of any of the position groups that worked out today. Again, at 282 pounds, this is one of those rare unicorn performances. When you look at the size of this man, he's played three tech. He's played five tech. He had a really good week at the Senior Bowl going against top offensive linemen, showed off his power, his athleticism. And he looks like a player that has a chance to be much better in the NFL than he was in college, playing on a Northwestern team that was pretty bad the last couple of years. You put him on an NFL squad, NFL coaching this guy's really intelligent coming from Northwestern. He's got a chance to be a special player. I think he's a second-round player right now. He might potentially go in the first round with these insane combine numbers that he put up across the board, his size, his versatility. There's actually a very good chance that he played himself into the back half of the first round, and that's a lot of extra money that he made himself in today's combine. All right, let's switch gears now to the edge rushers on the outside. As I mentioned earlier, this group, this might be the deepest edge rushing group that I have covered maybe since 2011, and that was very early in my football coverage days. I was still teaching at that point, but on the side was doing a lot of NFL coverage, and that 2011 class was loaded with pass rushers. This group is just as deep. It might not have the star power at the very top when we're looking at the beginning of the first round, but it is a deep class, and they showed that off today. As far as big winners at the edge rushing position, we got to start with a Big Ten Phenom and Lucas Van Ness, and his story is very interesting. Van Ness did not start a single game in the Big Ten last couple of years at Iowa, but he still put up decent numbers, and most of his snaps were played inside. He weighed in at 272 pounds in Indianapolis, so this is a pretty big guy, and he ran a 4-5-6 40-yard dash, and maybe what was more impressive barely over seven seconds, 7.02 seconds in the three cone. So he had almost a sub seven second three cone. That's typically what we see reserved for cornerback safeties, receivers, running backs, and a 272 pound edge defender that's played a lot of snaps inside. Former hockey player in Van Ness ran a 7.02. He also was second in the short shuttle. So we're talking about elite change of direction skills and elite straight line speed. He wins a lot with power. And this kid is still a baby. Again, he didn't start a game for Iowa. He's one of the youngest players coming into this draft. He looks to me like he is a top 15, top 20 pick just because of the ceiling that he should have. He's barely scratching the surface of his potential. And for him to go out and put up those numbers, didn't have a great vertical jump, but the rest of his testing numbers were off the charts for a 272-pound edge rusher. So I think he really solidified his standing today as a first-round pick. And he might be a player the Seahawks are really intrigued by because he's got that versatility to play inside. He's played outside. We can see the athlete that he is. Looks to me like he could play in a 4-3 or a 3-4. And he's got a big frame at 6-5 or he could add some weight if he needed to and still be a phenomenal athlete. So I think this is a guy that's squarely on the Seahawks big board going into the draft process. And then going to the opposite end of the spectrum, not the same body type, but 
I've used the word ridiculous a lot on this podcast. I'm going to invent my own word for this one. Nolan Smith's performance tonight was splendiculous. 4.39, I got to repeat that again, 4.39 second, 40-yard dash, 41-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, and he did both of those weighing 238 pounds. Again, this guy is in the edge rushing group running a sub 4-4 second, 40-yard dash, 41-and-a-half-inch vertical. To put this in perspective, players that weighed 228 pounds or more since 2003, DK Metcalf, current Seahawks receiver, was the king in that category, running a 4-3-3 and having a 40-plus-inch vertical. Nolan Smith topped him in the vertical and had the 4.39 at 238 pounds, 10 more pounds than DK Metcalf. So this was a historic performance from Nolan Smith. Now, a little bit different story for him compared to some of the other players that had elite performances today. Doesn't have the sack numbers at Georgia that you would expect from a player of this type of athleticism. But you watch the film, he's been a stout run defender. And he's he's a guy, I think, in a NFL scheme is going to have a better chance to really break loose as a pass rusher. Still a lot of untapped potential. He missed some games due to injury this last season. And so he is a player that maybe was a day two pick that has now played his way into the first round just because of these historically unique athletic gifts. And the fact he can get after the quarterback, there is good film out there. Just didn't have the gaudy statistics at Georgia with all the talent that was around it, but looks to me like he's got a very good chance now to be in the first round with physical tools like that. Teams are going to be drooling to get a guy like that at the edge and work with him, try to find ways to maybe unleash him like a Hassan Reddick type player in their scheme. Maybe Seattle's 3-4. It would make some sense for him as one of their overhanging linebackers. That athleticism, you would think he could drop back in coverage if he needed to. And our last big winner for the edge rushing group, I already talked about the other Byron Young being on the wrong side of the coin, but the Tennessee version of Byron Young was a huge winner in this event, weighing in at 250 pounds, ran a 4-4-3 40-yard dash. He also had a 7.19-second three-cone, so he was in the top five among all position players today in that category. And his 11-foot broad jump was one of the best we have ever seen at the Combine. So you want to talk about elite explosiveness, elite speed off the edge. He is going to be an older player. I believe he actually is going to be 25 in his rookie NFL season. So that may be something that scares some teams off. But with that type of athleticism and explosiveness, and oh, by the way, he's been pretty productive too the last two years at Tennessee, a good number of sacks, also had several tackles for loss, so he's been a solid run defender as well. This would be a guy that looks like he could be a 4-3, and he might be a 3-4 outside linebacker as well with that athleticism, could drop back, could rush. So he is also a player. I've seen him mock the Seahawks going into this event. I thought he was going to put up good athletic numbers. These surpassed my expectations, though. So a big winner, Byron Young was today. The Tennessee version may have played himself potentially into high second round, maybe even first round in a deep edge rushing class. And we're talking about Seahawks needs. Everybody knows the linebacker position with Jordan Brooks recovering from an ACL tear, Cody Barton heading towards free agency. This is a position that suddenly is of major need for the Seattle Seahawks. And going into today's event, this was a linebacker class that I thought was kind of top heavy. And there's a lot of lighter linebackers that might not necessarily fit with Seattle once at the same time, though. You want to talk about some athletic testing numbers that have rarely been seen from linebackers. 
we got to see that tonight from this group, and they really impressed. And there were a few guys that maybe we hadn't heard of that now have kind of vaulted into the discussion as a potential draft pick for a team like the Seahawks. Looking at my winners there, I'm going to stick with the Iowa theme here, and this is a player that we have talked about a lot on here, Jack Campbell, and he is the reigning Dick Butkus Award winner. So we're talking about the best linebacker in college football. He was a first-team All-American. It shouldn't surprise anybody that he is going to be high on the list for teams that need a linebacker. He also was the Campbell Award winner, not named after himself, but the Campbell Award winner for his academic excellence at Iowa as well. So we're talking about an incredibly intelligent guy. Now you look at the 40 time today, plenty of people on social media, 4.65, that's slow. Like everybody wants a linebacker that runs in the 4.4, sure. But he had a four, a 1.59 second 10-yard split, which is still very good. And oh, by the way, he weighs 249 pounds. This guy's got a traditional linebacker build. He's not one of these 225-pound linebackers. He is 249 pounds. He can get downhill. He can thump people. He's got the athleticism. We saw it in the explosiveness drills. 37 and a half inch vertical did really well in the broad jump as well. This is a guy that has the movement skills and the explosiveness. You couple that with his intelligence, he's going to play faster on the field anyway. He diagnoses plays as well as anybody in this draft class. Over 100 tackles each of the last two years. He had a bunch of interceptions the last two seasons as well, four to be exact. So he's good in coverage. You can blitz him. I wouldn't do that a lot, but this guy's a complete package as a football player and the numbers he put up, maybe the 40 wasn't as fast as he wanted, but everything else checks off. He looks like a guy that is a square second-round pick, maybe sneaks into the first-round pick range for a team that, that needs an off-ball linebacker. But I think he is the best pure off-ball linebacker in this class, and he did a really nice job overall in this combine performance. The second player here is not somebody that I thought I was going to be talking about today, not because I didn't expect him to put up good numbers today, but Yasir Abdullah from Louisville at 235 pounds. He's actually been an edge rusher primarily for the Cardinals. He had a season with double-digit sacks at Louisville. So his bread and butter at the college level has been rushing off the edge. You want to talk about a guy that's got some intriguing athletic tools, though, to potentially be an off-the-ball linebacker at 235 pounds. He ran a 4.4740 today. So there's that 4.4 speed that everybody's wanting at the off-ball linebacker position, a 10-foot, 9-inch broad jump. So this guy had some really good athletic testing numbers. And again, he had double-digit sacks a few years ago at Louisville. This is a guy that, for his lack of size, actually a pretty darn good edge defender. So there may be some teams out there, maybe the Seahawks included, look at him, even though he's a smaller player. Could look at him at that outside linebacker position. He has experience dropping back, getting his hands on the football in coverage. Clearly an elite athlete. He just hasn't had a lot of opportunities as an off-ball linebacker. I'm wondering in a 3-4 defense if he would be able to do that. Is this a player that could be developed to do that? From a Seahawks perspective, that would make sense. With the athletic numbers he put up, this is a guy that made a lot of plays for Louisville. But you would be taking on a player that's going to need some seasoning because they that's not a position that he's played. If you want to keep him at the edge spot, his size is a bit concerning. But the film doesn't lie. He plays bigger than that size and clearly an elite athlete. So Abdul is a player now that looks like a really strong day two prospect heading into the 2023 NFL draft. And last but not least, this is maybe the biggest winner today for me at any position group, because I don't think many people are talking about him. Vanderbilt's football team has perennially been horrible in the SEC. There have been some good players come out of there 
in the draft, but not a lot of recognition for guys that are really good football players because the team has not been good. Anthony Orgy is a fantastic linebacker prospect, though, that I've kind of had under the radar here the last couple of weeks. I turned on the film against some elite SEC competition, and there were times that he ended up struggling because of the talent around him, and I think he tried to force the issue a lot of times. He wasn't patient enough, a very aggressive player, sometimes to a fault, but he's got really good numbers for a bad football team. And then today, 4-5-3, 40-yard dash, a 1.54-second 10-yard split. That is elite at 230 pounds. So he's not the biggest linebacker, but he's not the smallest either. And he plays bigger when you turn on the film. This is a guy that will take on blocks. He'll get off of blocks, and he'll get in the backfield, and he'll disrupt plays. He will make tackles for loss. He's a guy that's got some experience blitzing. But he did really well in the 40-yard dash, had a 38-and-a-half-inch vertical, which was the second best on the day at any position group. So he's not just fast. He's explosive and he's got great he's got great burst out of his stance. So he's got great acceleration. Those are all boxes you want to check off for an off-ball linebacker. I think he's still squarely a day three prospect right now, was never an all-conference player, and there's some flaws on his film, but he has the athleticism and the experience playing in the best conference in college football that you have to believe that there's going to be some teams looking at the numbers he put up today, and he is going to move up their board. He might be a candidate for the Seahawks in their 3-4 defense because he brings athleticism, he brings toughness, and he brings aggressiveness. This would be a player that would be fun to develop, might be a special teamer at the beginning of his career, but with all that experience in the SEC, he might be a guy that can come in and play some early snaps for you as well. I think Orgy was the biggest winner in the entire combine today because he really came out of nowhere. This is a guy that had low draft grades, and today he had one of the most impressive performances in a linebacker group that was full of really fast 40-yard dash times and a bunch of other really good testing numbers. Anthony Orgy was right in the middle of that, so I think he improved his stock as much as any player today and might be a day three candidate that makes sense for the Seahawks as they try to figure out what they're going to do with that position moving forward. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can check out Locked on Seahawks. We're available on all major platforms as well as five days a week video form on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, we will have our takeaways from day two of testing at the NFL Combine. And of course, we're going to finally revisit the center position with Austin Blythe announcing his retirement, some free agent options that could fill the void for the Seahawks when the new league year starts on March 15th. It's going to be another jam-packed episode. We hope you'll be joining us. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.